Hi everyone and welcome to First Rank Fire. This podcast gives me a chance to chat with some of the best people from around the 40k community. I'm your host Ben and in today's episode we'll be chatting with the war mistress that Horus aspired to be. She's got to be one of the most positive people throughout the community. A great painter, get her on Instagram, some of her models are absolutely fantastic. Really good player and a really great overall person. And I'm certain that sort of everyone that's listening has either listened to or watched some of your sort of absolutely fantastic content. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Thanks for having me. That's quite the intro. I don't know if I can live up to that, but I'm going to try. Everyone says that and everyone so far has completely lived up to it. So yeah, I'll kick off with, again, this, the sort of same question that I ask absolutely everybody. What originally got you into Warhammer? Hmm. That's like a really tough question because, I mean... You could just talk about, like, the first moment that you see Warhammer, or you could talk about all of the stuff from the past that led up to the moment where you saw Warhammer. <laughs> yep. So I think I'm going to start, like, way, way back in the past, because a lot of people ask me, like, oh, how can I get my partner or my wife or my girlfriend into the hobby? So I'm going to start at the beginning, and then maybe that. that'll give people an idea of, like, how I got to here. So my very, very first memories are watching Star Trek, the original series, and Return of the Jedi, which we had recorded on, like, VHS. Nice. So my very, very earliest memories are watching that with my mom. And, like, throughout my childhood, I was always into, like, sci-fi and fantasy and all of that stuff. Like, anything that was sort of, like, an escapism for me was, was huge. So I had all that stuff going on in the background. I also really liked to draw and paint and do crafts and stuff. Uh, again, that's something that I would I did with my mother. And then from there, when my friend, who's now my husband, showed me his first models that, he, well, they weren't his first models, but they're the first models that I saw. I thought that those were so cool because he painted them and they looked great. And then he told me that there was like a strategy game that went along <laughs> with it. And I knew I wanted to try it because I really liked Risk. I played Risk with my dad. We played board games and things like that. So I wanted to try it. And that was in 7th edition. And that was at the end of 7th edition when like everything was like super crazy. And so I didn't really get hooked on the game aspect then okay but i still was painting and collecting and all that stuff and then i joined roller derby which was like soul sucking <laughs> <laughs> and then from you know there i i really learned to like really appreciate strategy and tactics and yeah all of that stuff and then when i got hurt and i couldn't do that anymore because i think i did that for six years uh i felt like there was a big gaping hole in my life <laughs> And then Age of Sigmar 2nd Edition had come out. So I joined a an Escalation League in the hopes that this would like fill that hole that was in my heart for the tactics and things, and it did. And then from there, I moved on to Warhammer 40k 8th Edition, and then I've just sort of been like going back and forth between the yeah. two ever since. Yeah. So you came into the sort of game playing relatively late then and late compared to a lot, a lot of people sort of in the community i mean i feel like i just came into the hobby relatively late because i think i was about 26 mm. when i first saw the models so just painting for like six years and then not really playing until i was about 32 okay. so yeah i definitely did come into it late but I mean, where I live in Canada, we don't have Warhammer stores. Like, we just, it's not something okay. you can, like, walk around a mall and, and yeah. just, like, come into contact with. So you really have to know somebody who already does it if you're going to get introduced to it. There's more people playing now than there were back then. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I would say it's pretty late, but there's no bad time to start, I don't think. No, definitely not, definitely not. I mean, that's, that's strange, because... I'd never really thought about stores across the world. Obviously, I'm from the UK. Back when I was a kid, there kind of were stores everywhere. There, there might have been sort of back alleys, things like that. But pretty much every city, every sort of city, some towns had a Warhammer Games Workshop shopping. It was it's, it's interesting that there's still sort of areas which don't because it's such a, a big thing for, for mm. the UK, definitely. Mm. Yeah, over here, brick and mortar stores are like we basically have friendly local game stores. Yeah. And that's 
how most people sort of come into contact with the hobby for the first time is like seeing people playing there. I've also heard that in like Games Workshop owned stores, there's only one table. Yeah. Yeah, that's like bizarre to me because like over here, friendly local game stores like normally have multiple tables during game night. So like we've recently lost our friendly local game store, but when we had it, uh, like we would quite often have six tables going at the same time Mm, with different game systems. And and so it's bizarre to me to think that like there's stores that you can't even play at. That's weird. It is really strange. The the Bristol one nearest me, I think that might have one table. It's got some like, it's got some like display tables, um, and then it's got a few painting stations. But yeah, it's got one table. My fr- friendly local gaming store, the one that I go to, they've they're big. They've got probably in the region of like twenty odd tables, something like that. Mm. And like sa- Saturday, Sunday night, Friday night, they're they're all busy, guaranteed, playing all the sort of different different games, be it AOS, forty k, whatever. Um, there's always seen a few people in there. Yeah, it's strange. It's it's not something that I'd ever really thought of. That's that's mm. interesting. Yeah, because you do hear a lot of people, especially from the UK, say like, "Oh, I was just walking around the mall and I saw this like giant Space Marine poster or something," yeah. and then and I walked in and yeah, that's just not an experience that many people have out here. That's really interesting. So I, th- I think based off what what we were talking about there, what's your what's your favorite part of the hobby? Ooh, well. So I like to think that I'm like a full service gamer. So, you know, I read Black Library, I paint, I uh, I do play. And I do think that playing and painting are, are equally important to me. I don't think that I could pick one or the other because they, they kind of like run in this like Ouroboros of the snake eating its own tail, right? Yeah. So like I like to paint because I like to see my stuff on the table and then through playing sometimes you see that there's holes in your list and then you buy a new unit and then you paint it because you want to see it on the table and it's just like this whole circle. So yeah, I don't think I can pick any like one thing that I prefer over anything else. Okay. That's a good thing. Me, me and Kupster were talking about that in the sort of very first episode. He had a very, very similar answer. He, there was no part of the hobby that he didn't enjoy. And I think it makes for quite a a good hobby for that as, as a whole. There's plenty of hobbies where they're kind of, they're good hobbies, but they're kind of one dimensional. Whereas you're right, you've got that sort of the painting, then you've got the playing. And I mean, when you, then you get into like content creation and like you were at LVO, things like that. You, there's that community social side of it as well. I think it's a really, really good hobby for the, for that, definitely. Yeah, and, and I feel like blessed, I guess, that I do enjoy multiple aspects of the hobby because I think that it makes it easier for me to actually connect with all yeah. the different uh, types of hobbyists because there are some people who like only like the lore, right? And so I can like have really good conversations with them. There are some people who only paint and I feel like I can have conversations with them as well. And of course, there's the gaming side too. I am on a... I guess one of the bigger Warhammer 40k podcasts so I get to and and we do cover everything but it is a lot of competitive 40k talk so I get to sort of explore that area as well which is really nice yeah so you're a bit like obviously I've been on your Instagram you've got a lot of different models on there that are I guess I I think they are beautifully painted I know you've sort of talked about them before you've kind of you don't think you're that great painter I think they're fantastic the the orcs that you painted that are in the barrels are probably one of my favorite posts on Instagram. I, <laughs> I love those. They're so good. Yeah, I think that it's funny. So those those orcs are definitely like my best performing, I guess, posts on Instagram. Yeah. Which is, it's good. I'm kind of known as like an orc player now, which is funny because while I love modeling them and I do like to play them, they're not my main faction in 40k mm. at all um so i think it's really funny that i'm like the orc girl <laughs> um but like full disclosure i do work uh for a third party model company so and we make orcs so that's probably a good thing that i'm kind of known as the orc girl <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so this might be a difficult choice for you given how many different sort of models armies you've, you've got but what is your favorite army, be it AOS or 40k or? Okay, so my favorite army is my Ogre Maw Tribes army. 
ogres are like my spirit animal. There's just something <laughs> like that like tugs at my heartstrings for the ogres, and I think it's just because I see a lot of myself in the ogres. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. I just really like their play style. They are like surprisingly fast. They are, you know, surprisingly brave. And yeah, I don't know. I just I just love them. It puts a smile on my face anytime I put them on the table. So and on my shelf of models, they actually have like a little diorama. Nobody else has oh, that. Awesome. So they're like my special boys. They're really cool models as well. I've not really seen that much of AOS. Uh, which is strange given that I was kind of fancy and I wanted to come back into it. But yeah, they're one of the sort of models that I've looked at. Is What's the one with the, the big cauldron? So the Slaughtermaster is a psyker, psyker, a wizard that care, yeah. that like carries the cauldron behind him. And like, yeah. so he gets his random magic from things that he pulls out of his cauldron <laughs> and eats. But there is a piece of terrain that is faction specific that gives you bonuses. And it's you can use any character to kind of go with it but i just keep my butcher near it because that just makes sense because it's like a pot <laughs> yeah. with kitchen the butcher needs to be there yeah it definitely makes sense yeah. yeah they're they're really cool models on the 40k side what would you say your your sort of favorite army is my favorite army to play is definitely imperial guard okay it's the army that I've played the most. I'm on a bit of a 40k break right now just because I I pushed really, really hard uh, to figure out how to make them work in the old book, which was really bad at the end there. Yeah. And so I think I just got super burnt out. So I have the new book and I read through it once and I'm just like, ah, nothing is jumping out at me. So <laughs> I'm just taking like a little bit of a 40k break probably going to jump back into it in the summer though so probably with my imperial guard okay yeah. do you go sort of heavy towards troops or heavy towards uh tanks do you have any particular preference or how it was before the, the new codex came out so i like and this is true for all of my armies that i build like so even though like i might go to tournaments and i might you know play a bit more competitively every now and then i still have like a core concept of rule of cool that my army like needs to satisfy and for me like combined arms is best it just looks the best on the table when you've got some infantry you've got some tanks you've got some like elite like i love my bulgrins because they're also yeah. ogres right so like i like to have a little bit of everything on there it just looks cool i yeah, need it I to that. look cool absolutely yes I'm also not really, like, when it comes to playing, I'm not really into skew lists because I feel like there's some really bad matchups that come in mm, to play true. with that. And I would just much rather have, like, like a toolkit kind of list that, like, gives me tools into everything, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, all comers kind of lists. And that those kind of lists just usually look very varied. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I do think that eighth, eighth and ninth have kind of helped with that, especially ninth of that Orkamers. I felt like seventh I didn't really play, but I sort of heard a lot about, and then eighth I saw some pretty skew skew lists that were very very heavy. I, th I feel like ninth, the work that maybe they've done on the data sheets and the the meta watching stuff like that. I feel like actually those Orkamers lists have become a lot more varied because of that. I don't know if you've seen much of that on the competitive scene for anything that you've you've been to. Yeah, I mean, I think that. There's always going to be skew lists. I think there's always going to be people who want to play that. And yeah, so you are still seeing some of those in ninth edition. And it'll be interesting to see if with the new Arcs of Omen detachment, if we see even more of that. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see. But I think for the most part, most people do sort of bring a wide variety of things. Yeah. yeah. The missions, I think in general really reward people who bring a variety yeah. of things yeah yeah that's really true yeah i played a game the other day and it might have been the first time that i've taken infiltrators in a long time and they probably wouldn't be the most points just because they yeah. went straight onto an objective and they just kind of sat there but i hadn't taken them in ages but going into box of aim and i was like actually they fill a slot really nicely and they do a great job for the missions. So yeah, I think that, Yeah, they're really, yeah, really good. Great. If if I decided to play my Space Wolves again, I think that I would that would be like the first unit that I would have to paint up. I haven't played them since seventh though, so Okay. <laughs> well no, that's not true. I played them once, so I played three games at an RTT in ninth edition. 
That's it. That's all I've played <laughs> since <laughs> uh, I didn't do too bad. Came middle of the pack. <laughs> nice. Well done. Yeah. So I've seen you across a number of different channels, be it with Scary or Mini Wargaming, people like that. Um, you've got your own videos, which you help people to learn the rules in bite side chunks, which I think those videos are fantastic. It's something that I love on YouTube. I, I do like uh, the, the sort of the uh, battle, ta- battle reports and things like that. But time for me is an issue. I've got a little one. So those sort of those short videos, your uh, your shorts and things like that, I think think they're they're really really good. People should definitely go and check them out. It breaks down the rules really really nicely. Obviously, you played with some some really really good people. What's the best piece of advice that you think you've had that improved your playstyle or the way you play? Um, I think it's not really advice, but it's like a like a tactic, I guess, that I learned, uh, and that is effective screening. Yep. Screening is actually one of my best performing uh, short rules videos is about screening. And yeah, so when you're playing a faction that is like pretty underpowered in uh, <laughs> meta that is very killy, learning how to screen has been really instrumental in, in like just learning how to play the game instead of just losing half my army in turn one. Yeah. And then when I went over to play Age of Sigmar again, because I learned how to do that in 8th edition, and then when I went over to play in Age of Sigmar again, I kind of started with a bunch of people who were brand new to playing as well. And just learning how to screen going into the new system, it like it just made me miles above my starting point in Warhammer 40k. Okay. And so I've been trying to, like, show the new players also how to screen with different units because it helped me so much. Yeah. Yeah, but it's even more important in Age of Sigmar, I think. Oh, okay. Like I say, Age of Sigmar is not something that I've played. Why do you think it's more important? What what makes it more important? I think it's more important because there's less shooting, so mm, yep. it's harder to clear those screens, but also because... In Age of Sigmar, even if you charge multiple things in on your uh, charge phase, when you go into the combat phase, it's still, if it's my charge phase and then my combat phase, I get the first activation, and then my opponent gets one, and we go back and forth no matter what. So learning how to screen means that you're going to get the charges on your terms, and then you're going to fight on your terms right so it makes it so that people have to charge these like garbage units that you don't care about (laughs) and then next turn you get to charge their juicy targets yeah you're getting those good counter charges off okay yeah Yeah. that was always something that um screening was always something that was quite a difficult thing this was back when a lot of the sort of turn one deep strike was at the start of eighth turn one deep strike was horrendous getting screening right you say that could like lose you the game if you got your screening wrong Everything drops into your front lines in turn one, and that's it. They wiped. It was yeah. it was crazy. Yeah, and like as a guard player with like half my army is tanks, if they get if they got touched in eighth edition, oh, like yeah. they're done. Like they can't shoot anything. So learning how to screen effectively meant that I could actually shoot for like at least three turns. <laughs> so yeah, that 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 was my biggest thing to learn. Okay. Well, everyone should definitely go out and check check out that video if you've not seen it already. I imagine most people listening have probably seen it already. <laughs> but yeah, like I say that those shorts are they're, they're really good. They're really quick. You can pick things up really really quickly. I I really enjoyed them. Yeah, I enjoy making them. The feedback that I get on them is is really nice, and it's kind of the the feedback from new players is what keeps me making those. Like people who are like, oh no, I've been doing this wrong like the entire time, or I've been wasting command points and stuff like that. Like just knowing that I can help new players in a learning process that was very, very difficult for me. Like if I yeah. can alleviate some of that stress of learning, that just is very worthwhile for me. Yeah, and there's a lot of new players in the game. I think at the moment, I think there's been quite quite a big surge of of new players coming in, be it from the introduction of eighth and ninth. I think simplified the game a lot more. They've obviously pushed a lot more. I think Age of Sigmar, I think, brought a lot of people over as well. I think Age of Sigmar got quite a big quite a big reception. And I don't know whether or not, for good or for bad, that, that pushed people over to 40k. But I think that helped. And yeah, obviously, there's stuff with Henry Cavill and stuff like that. I, I've seen a lot more people sort of jump into it now they've seen that someone cool is, is into it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I've also, in my experience with Play on Tabletop, 
I know that they are bringing a lot of new players in. Mm. A lot of people just like see these cool cinematics and, yeah. and the cool stories, and uh, they may see it and have no idea what's going on. They've never seen Warhammer before, but it's inspired them to want to jump in as well. So a lot of these battle report channels are bringing people in as well. Yeah. Okay. We'll move away from the the sort of the game a little bit, um, and we'll move on to the community. Okay. I think you're a really sort of positive person in the community. You go on your Twitter, your Instagram, stuff like that. I think you're always pushing like a really good message. And I think it's really, really good. What drove you to to start creating content in the first place? When I first sort of dipped my toes into the hobby about like 10 years ago or so, I really didn't feel like there was a lot of content creators for brand new people like Mm -hmm. Duncan was just starting to do the Warhammer TV thing with the painting yeah. tutorials. And so there was that. But when it came to like all aspects of the hobby, I didn't feel like there was a lot for brand new players. And the, because at the time there was like Facebook groups, that was really the only places <laughs> and forums. You could go on forums to sort of share your, your work and things like that. And those places a lot of times didn't end up being a very positive place. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me as a new player, it was like very gatekeepy and, um, it was very weird as a woman (laughs) in those spaces back then. And so when I, I came back after hurting myself from roller derby and I started painting and playing again and, and, I started posting some things to Instagram. I made like a hobby specific Instagram and it kind of took off. And I was like, okay, like this, this could be something that helps people. And I think I just sort of consciously made the decision right then and there to like be the person that I wish existed when I was first getting into the hobby. Like I just, sometimes new players need like, somebody to like figuratively take their hand and say it's okay to do what you want like no (laughs) matter what those people on the internet are telling you if you want to paint your space marines pink you can and it's totally (laughs) cool it's not just acceptable it's cool you know and and like i just really i needed that and i didn't have it and i was like there's got to be other people who need that too so i'm gonna be that I think there's still people that need that now. When you go on, again, Facebook seems to be the place. When you go on a lot of Facebook groups, there's always those ones about painting your Space Marines pink and things like that, or putting a rainbow on it or something like that. And these people kick off massively. And you, st- I think you still see that gatekeeping. I don't know whether or not it's gone down. As a white male, it's easy. I don't. It's a really easy hobby for me to get into because, hey, everyone else is kind of a white male. So I don't, I don't know if it's gone down, I don't know if it's, it's changed, but it's, I still see it on the internet. And that must be really hard coming in as a minority, in effect, in the, in the, in the game. Hmm. I think it was getting better. And then recently it's kind of gotten bad again. And I'm not okay. really too sure why. Like, I'm not sure if it's because there's an influx of new people mm-hmm. and there's an influx of people who just want to do their own thing. And so... Like the old guard Warhammer fans are feeling a little bit maybe intimidated or pushed out by that. I'm not sure. But yeah, the past couple of years, it seems to be getting a bit more hostile again. And yeah, so I was actually thinking about two years ago, just sort of like shutting everything down in regards to content creation and just sort of like going off and playing my games and, okay. uh, you know, painting my models for myself and whatnot. And then... Like, I saw this influx come in again of, like, this really kind of bad behavior. And I was like, okay, like, I think I should stay still. Like, I think that there's going to be people who still need somebody to tell them, like, it's okay yeah. to do your thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm grateful you stayed because I enjoy your content, that's for sure. And there's, there's going to be tons of other people. Obviously, you've you've got a big, big following, be it on Twitter, Instagram, places like that. I think people are always going to want that, going to want that content. I think there will, there will always be... It's not a good thing. There will always be a, a sort of vocal minority of those sort of gatekeepers, those sorts of people. So to have people like you and, and a lot of the other people actually that are around the community that I've sort of spoken to, they're all really, really positive. And I think that's that's really key to making sure that this hobby stays an inclusive, well, or drives towards being a fully inclusive uh, community because that's what it needs to be. 
Yeah. And you know what? I saw that you had Jake from Vanguard Tactics on. And I just want to say that, like, he gives the best hugs. Uh, I, got to, <laughs> I got to finally meet him in person because we've been, like, friends for, like, a couple years now. And I got to finally meet him in person at Las Vegas Open and, like, give him a hug. And he's, like, one of those people that, like, hugs you and, like, really hugs, <laughs> really you, hugs like, you, like, brings you in close. And I was like, this is nice. <laughs> and it helps that he's the most handsome man in 40K. So It's, it's true. Well. It's true. Yeah, I don't even know why Steven Box even tries. It's like, you just can't no. compete with Jake. I mean, he's got those arms, but he's nothing really compared to, like, Jake's face. I mean, come on. Exactly. What's the point? Couldn't agree more. <laughs> So talking about the sort of following that you've you've developed, have you got any sort of advice for people who are looking to to do something similar to you in the in the community? Be it if they're they're just starting off or they're they're trying to really grow now. Yeah, I think that the best thing to do when you're getting started in content creation or or anything like that is to really consider your own personal values, right? So. For me, like my personal values are like creating a community and like fulfilling obligations and teaching and learning and, and things like that. And nowhere in my personal values are being popular <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or having a big following. Like those are just things that are not important to me as an individual. Yeah. And so those are things that make me miserable if I focus on them, right? But for other people, maybe having a big following and being popular is part of their core values. And then in that case, that is something that you should go after, right? Because that's something that's important to you. I think a lot of times when people get into content creation and all of that, they think, well, I have to do it this way because that's how everybody (laughs) else has done it, right? And I think that if that's that's how you're looking at it, I think you're going to get burnt out really quickly. So... Yeah, for me, I don't really think too much about the numbers, right? And in in fact, in terms of like my Instagram growth, my Instagram growth is sort of stagnant, which happens, but my YouTube growth is going up, right? And that's, I think, because of the the content that I'm making on YouTube more aligns with my personal values, right? I really enjoy teaching and learning myself and Um, So doing these shorts on YouTube is really aligned with that. And I think that the community can sense that. And that's why they're following along over there. So that's my main advice. A little bit long-winded, but yeah, that's my advice. It echoes a lot of what some of the other people have said around that that sort of similar topic. Having spoke to six, seven other people about this, a lot of people kind of get into it and say, well, kind of do what your passion is. And it always seems to be that you do what your passion is, you're passionate about it, you that shows in your videos, it shows in your content or whatever. And the following kind of follows for that for the exact reason that you said, because of that passion, all of a sudden people wanna follow you, they wanna see what you're doing, they they wanna they wanna learn from you. There's also there's also something to be said about like getting the right followers. Mm, right? Yeah. When you make content that aligns with your values, you're gonna get followers that also align with your values and then you're going to have more really positive interactions with people. I think sometimes when your values and your content don't match up, that's when you start getting like really negative interactions with people who are like consuming your content. Mm. So that's another thing. And if you do get people who are really negative because you do from time to time, uh, my advice is just to give them like the heart or the thumbs up reaction (laughs) to say, I see you. I still don't care and then move on your <laughs> merry way and do something more positive. Yeah. I think that could be quite a hard thing to, to, to get through. Certainly me sort of starting off, it, it's hard not to go and look at the comments you get to how many likes you get, things like that. Luckily I've not had any negative comments yet, but I feel like it's human nature to kind of pick up on those negatives when, I mean, you, you look at your, your, uh, your channel, your, your uh, comments from there, your Instagram, you've got s- such an overwhelming positive flow of people you'd like to think it offsets but i, I don't know if it, if it does hopefully you've got sort of i almost feel like it's probably water off the ducks back to you now and you're kind of used to it um so, so the comments that really kind of get to me so in the beginning the comments really hurt and like 
I am a very sensitive soul <laughs> because <laughs> I just want to be nice to everybody. And so when yeah. people just set out to be mean to me, I sometimes in the past would just let it hurt me. Right. Mm, okay. Yeah. And I went to therapy and which was a really good investment. <laughs> And it really sort of helped me, like, put things into perspective. In fact, my therapist went through a play on tabletop battle report comment section and yeah. said, like, like literally, he, he tallied them up. He said 99% of the comments about me were really, really nice. And it was actually less than 1% of the comments were mean. So, like, when he did that, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I am obviously, like, fixating on the negative. Yeah. Um, and so we worked together to really get me past that. But the ones that still really bother me are the ones that just sort of, like, write me off just because of my gender yeah because there's yeah. like literally nothing that i can do no you know i mean arguably there's nothing you should do for those sorts of people because they're not really worth the time yeah because what's the what's the point why does gender have an impact you're never gonna make those people respect you no yeah. matter what you do you could be perfect in everything and they will still disrespect you so yeah i just choose not to engage with those people now but i will put them on blast because a lot of times i find that <laughs> like so i've actually had people say that like they don't believe that sexism is in the warhammer community because they don't see it all these comments come from men right yeah. and so because of that and and i think a lot of these men really do mean well when they say that so for their benefit i put up these particularly sexist comments there are some comments that you're not quite sure like is that sexist or is it just somebody who wants to be mean yeah. right but if they're blatantly sexist i will i will put those people on blast and it's not really to put them on blast it's just to like remind the community that this does happen yeah i think i think that's needed i mean i i'm married to an an engineer and engineering in the uk something crazy like 70 80% of the, the profession are male and you get it now you get like international women's day you get international women in engineering and things like that in the uk and every single time every single time why is there not an International Man's Day? Why is there not an uh, International Men in Engineering Day? Well, because we don't need one. And so they don't see it. They don't have that idea, the fact that actually there is still sexism in the world. And there is. There absolutely is. And I actually think it's good. I, I've fallen foul of sort of going, actually, the community's in a pretty good place at the moment. And then I see some of the, the content that you put up or um, Chick Paints or Rach, the Warhammer Girl, people like that. And I'm like, actually, yeah, it, is it getting is it getting worse and um, what can what can we as a community and what can i do personally to try and try and tackle that i i am in a position of privilege and so i should be trying to help equalize everything we 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 need equality in the in the game i think it'll improve everything it'll bring more people into the game it'll make gw want to make better models it, it'll bring more money into the game it'll bring bring me more chances to go and play games and things like that so I just, yeah, I, I don't get why people do it, but I think it is, I think you're right. I think you're doing the right thing in terms of blasting it and reminding people that actually that there is still work to be done. And I'm, I've been thinking about it a lot lately because uh, Maurice is a wonderful person and that's Ch Chick Paints and yeah. I just love her to bits and it just breaks my heart that she gets so much really vile hate sometimes because yeah. she's literally one of the nicest people on the planet and doesn't deserve it and i'm not sure why it's disproportionate to some women mm. and like not others because in the grand scheme of things i actually get left alone like pretty pretty much all the time it's just a few times a year that i'll get like something like blatantly yeah. uh sexist so like hashtag blessed i guess but i wish i knew why it's mm. so different for individuals in the community. And I've been thinking about it and I have no answers. Yeah. Maxine said the same thing. Obviously, she's she's married to Katie. And she's saying that actually Katie gets a, a much higher percentage of people commenting on the fact that Katie's female compared to Maxine, even though it's Katie's full-time job, whereas Maxine does it as a hobby. So there's, there's people talking and saying that Katie shouldn't be playing the game and things like that. And you're like, well, it's literally her full-time job. She plays this game as a profession. How do you even compare to that? Yeah, I'm not sure. And I'm going to continue thinking about it because I feel like the answer to 
like the sexism issue lies in the answer to like why individuals get it worse than others. Once I figure that yeah. out, I'll be able to make a plan. Yeah, t- tell us, tell the whole community, and we'll, we'll get it fixed. It needs to be fixed, definitely. Okay, just going back to your the, the following that you've got. I'm going to be trying to be positive. Let's bring some positivity. What's your favorite thing about that sort of community that you've you've grown around you? I think I just really enjoy seeing like different people's sort of approach to the hobby. So I I have a I have a Patreon Discord and it's full of my absolute favorite people. Um, <laughs> but it's really cool because as people share their stuff with me and we talk about it or they ask questions like, how would you approach this miniature or whatever? It's just really cool to see, you know, the different opinions coming in and like how they came to these conclusions and all of this. And and the coolest thing about it all is is that we can see it completely differently, but we just totally respect yeah. everybody else's approach. Like, oh, I wouldn't do it that way, but I can see why you are, you know? And, and I just really like that kind of mutual respect that I personally have with the majority of my community. I like to call them followers because I, I try to follow as many of them as I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Instagram especially doesn't make that easy. No, it doesn't. No. No. I like that. And I think coming into the sort of the, the community, I, I was, this wasn't something I ever did. I was kind of a, a lurker on like Instagram, things like that. I, lo- I looked at a lot of posts, but I didn't even like, like them or anything like that. And coming into the community and getting the chance to chat with some, like I say, really, really cool people. Community is awesome. It's such like, when you talk about other stuff, like Quipster, Maxine, I chatted with Peter Davis, that episode came out today for, well, this will come out in two weeks. So people have heard it two weeks ago. Yeah, the community is really awesome because of that sort of mutual respect. Everyone sort of seems to to band together and like, you know, Jake, for example, you've known him for years, but the first time you met him as at, at LVO and things like that, it, there just seems to be this really great sort of family feeling about, about that community. And obviously everyone mm. does sort of things different ways. Going to Las Vegas Open was a real big eye opener for me because I live in a very small town in Canada. <laughs> So I don't actually get out to a lot of different events, and I'd never been to anything that size before. I've come across a lot of content creators through streaming with Skari, uh, as well as just, you know, being on Forge the Narrative and things like that. You just sort of come across people. And meeting them in person, it didn't feel like we were meeting in person for the first time, right? Like, just hugs everywhere. Which, I mean, in hindsight, probably not the greatest because I came home with a cold. But at the, <laughs> at the same time, like, you know, it's it's nice. Like, when I first saw Jake, it wasn't like, oh, like, there's, there's Jake. Like, oh, maybe I should say hi. It's like, no, <laughs> I'm going to butt in to what he's doing right now. This very important thing to get my hug because <laughs> I need it. And I guess I was sort of expecting there to be some awkwardness. And there was, like, none with anybody. And uh, that was quite eye-opening. Also, like, it was just a really positive event for me. Everybody was very nice. And uh, I guess, like, the most touching thing for me is I I have social anxiety. It can be very bad sometimes. I try to be really open about it. And so I was having, like, a meltdown (laughs) at the end of Friday. I think it was Friday. And the hall was just starting to clear out, and I'm, like, crying and all this. And then my friend, JT, from Play on Tabletop, he's, like, the voice of Play on Tabletop. <laughs> yep. I'm, like, walking to the back of the stage because it's part of the stream team, and I hear, hey, pretty lady. <laughs> and I turn around, <laughs> and I see JT, and I just start bawling, and he's, like, let JT give you a hug. <laughs> so here's this big, like, ex-wrestler dude just, like, giving me a bear hug. And but here's the cool thing. So he was having an after game chat with his third round opponent. And this guy was like, oh, I really like like what you do. I've seen you on play on. It's like really nice to meet you. And I'm ugly crying like you didn't catch me <laughs> on my best day. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, I have something that can help. And so he gets social anxiety, too. And his wife packed him this, like, little handheld fan. So he turned it on and he gave it to me. And he's like, it helps. (laughs) I'm, like, (laughs) standing there with this fan in my face. I'm like, 
this is really nice. Like, just a complete stranger just being nice to another complete stranger. And, like, I needed to have that interaction, I think, to sort of mm. rejuvenate me and, and keep me going. Yeah. While we're on the sort of social anxiety stuff, obviously you have talked about the fact that you struggle with it. There's probably going to be a lot of other people in the community that, that do, as, do as well. Um, whether or not they know it, I mean, LVO is huge. So I think a lot of people go into those sorts of things, go all against like London GT, which is, is massive as well. Um, have you got any sort of coping mechanisms that you have going into events, stuff like that, or even smaller events? Yeah, so it's definitely okay to like take a few moments in the bathroom to like splash some cold water on your face <laughs> and like, and tell yourself like, if you have mantras or whatever that work for you. So sometimes I'll be like, even if I am having an anxiety attack, it doesn't say anything about me as a person, right? And yeah. and things like that. And there is um, some scientific evidence that like standing with your hands like above your head uh, in a power okay. stance, it, it actually does help. Uh, it gives you like the happy chemicals that you need to be comfortable and confident uh, okay. in a situation where you would otherwise not. So just like stand outside, do a big stretch with your hands above your head, claim your space. And, you know, if you do have a panic attack, you probably are surrounded by people who know exactly what you're going through. And maybe just like reaching out to a stranger maybe that will be what you need to just not feel so alone yeah you might get that fan that will really help you you might get that fan i don't know <laughs> like the cold air and the vibrations in your hand and like the little <laughs> like like white noise that it makes it was like perfect i'm totally getting one for my <laughs> next to l <laughs> yeah, yeah for my next one to, to any event i go to you now yeah yeah, yeah. I'll switch it up a little bit. So you've been on quite a different, few different podcasts. Obviously, um, Forge Narrative is probably one of the biggest 40k podcasts out there, which is huge. Yeah, now that the independent characters is shut down, we're definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah. How do you find making podcasts compared to stuff like your, um, your, your videos or shorts and things like that? Well, so on my podcast, I just show up and talk. <laughs> that's all I do because Paul Murphy is our fearless leader and he does all <laughs> of the editing and, and all of that. It is really the Paul Murphy show and we just <laughs> make it hard on him. That's, <laughs> that's basically it. But my my time with my Forge the Narrative Brothers is something that I look forward to every week. And Elvio was the first time that I actually got to hang out with them. Oh, so nice. uh, it was just really nice to because i do feel i do feel like they're my brothers yeah so yeah that that's the difference is like having somebody to make stuff with you and like be like they're my like emotional support in a lot of times right <laughs> like when yeah. i do get these like weird comments and stuff like they're one of the first people that i go to to be like check out this guy and like they'll always put it into perspective for me and be like you know he's a jerk like nothing he <laughs> says about you is real like why would he even think that you know like just keeping it in perspective i love making my solo content as well but it is just something like i just i clear off my table and i just i just make it myself yeah. Which is nice because that's my thing. Like if it flops yeah. or if it's a success, that is my work and my work only. So it's nice to have both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. You talked about uh, on Instagram the other day, you talked about making your own podcast. So you're going to be doing some of that editing, stuff like that. I know at the time you didn't say anything about it. You got any sneak peeks you want to reveal? I don't think I can, honestly. Okay. No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, I can't really say too much about it. But as soon as I get off this call, I'm going to be troubleshooting some audio and stuff. So, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm not good well, with I'm, the I'm looking forward stuff. to it. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Yeah. A good podcast is kind of always good to see. I'm always looking for, for good new podcasts. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. This one will be like narrative driven, not in the sense of like like my my army has a narrative. There mm -hmm. might be some of that, but like it'll probably be in seasons, and the season will tell a narrative. So uh, okay, yeah, cool. So it won't necessarily be like an interview show, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. 
yeah yeah cool yeah i'm definitely looking forward to that you've talked about sort of having both podcasts and your own stuff uh, and obviously you go on a lot of other people's channels and you, you sort of do a lot of, of stuff that way you want to be able to answer this but what would you say the your favorite content to make is like it's all good for different things so for like friendship and camaraderie forge the narrative is like my favorite thing for that yeah for something that like really makes me feel satisfied when it comes to like fulfilling my values the youtube shorts are like perfect for that yeah and uh just for like straight up fun probably filming battle reports is is my favorite thing i don't film those on my channel though like i'm just the perennial guest but like my play on tabletop family are just so much fun every single one of them that whenever i get the chance to to go i just i know that it's gonna be like like we're gonna end up cackling with laughter at some point (laughs) yeah so did you ever expect your instagram your twitter whatever to to grow the way that it did originally no like i don't think i don't think i'm the greatest painter i will just say that like when and it's it's like a spectrum right so like it depends Mm -hmm. where you want to be i'm very happy with the level that i paint but and i've come a long way since i started about four years ago my my hobby focused instagram was like four years ago but I just, I, yeah, it was a big shock. It was a big shock that it took off so quickly just because I paint okay, you know, (laughs) compared to some of those people on, on Instagram, I paint okay. I can hold my own, Yeah, (laughs) Um, but I'm nothing to the level of like Jose da Vinci or, or or, uh, like any of those people. Like I can't, no, I can't touch them. The the golden demon people. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just just leave them in their own bracket. That's not even a goal of mine. I just want to paint my armies, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and and I think for an army painter, I think I do a good job. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I did not think that my work would resonate with people like that at all. I wonder if it does more so though, because because it's not a golden demon level. Hmm. Obviously, we, it's nice to go on Instagram. It's nice to see those those, those paints, um, those those models painted that way. But at the same time, I can't look at them and go. And go it's beautiful, but I'm never going to spend that time. I'm ne- even if I spent the time, I'm never going to get to that level. So I wonder if it just your your work resonates at a better level because actually it's a it's a it's a good level to aspire for. Certainly, I'm I'm not the greatest painter. I typically most of my stuff is kind of like the tabletop ready type stuff. But yeah, going on Instagram and seeing the top level of of what normal would be certainly makes me want to paint that way because I'm thinking, oh yeah, I can I can get to that level if I spend the time and I. I follow you, I follow quite a lot of, of, of other painters on Instagram. It's nice to see the different techniques you use, the different ways you paint it. Because I'm like, oh, I could, I could do that. Let's see how it works. So, yeah, I wonder whether or not that's helped you grow more because it is that attainable level. It could be. And I think the other thing with me is when it comes to my own personal painting like i said golden demon like winning awards is not something that i even want to do like i don't want to put my painting into painting competitions and in fact when i go to tournaments i don't even like that my armies are judged (laughs) yeah i because in the end of the day like i am not actually seeking any like outside validation for my paint jobs because i like them and yeah. I'm a recovering perfectionist, and this was the first thing that I actually could just, like, let go of the perfectionism and just be like, I like this. I don't mm, care yeah. if anybody else thinks it's perfect. Instead of that, I've been really focusing on trying to develop my own style. Yeah. That, to me, is more important. I want – my ultimate goal is if you're scrolling your feed – I would like people to be able to like scroll and stop and be like, that's Tanya's without looking at the little icon to see whose it was, who painted it. So that is like the goal that I aspire to above all else with my painting. So maybe, maybe it's the style that does make people kind of resonate with it. I'm I'm not sure. Cause it is, 
with the exception of a few of my armies, it's very bright, it's very bold, it's very high contrast, and I think maybe people just really like that. I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a, a dark, dark angels theme, and I've got a, a mild chaos knights theme. I've gone for a new year, new army, and I've got the Votan, and I'm thinking at the moment purple might be nice. the colour that I go. A nice bright purple. Nice, yeah. I like purple as well. It's it, the only thing that I have that's purple is like the pants of my sort of gutbuster side of my mm, maw tribes yep. are purple, and then like all of my beast claw raiders are all blue. Maybe I should do something else purple. Purple feels like a good colour. I I thought about having an Emperor's Children army at one point, but at that point, I was struggling whether or not I'd fought Chaos, and then the new Chaos Knights came out, and that just all went to, to pot. I, I had to get the new Chaos Knights. But yeah, so I never started Empress Children. I, at one point, I was painting some Tau bright orange, but I hated painting Tau. Anybody that listens to the podcast, I've probably said it on every single episode. <laughs> I hate painting Tau, and nobody should ever want to paint them. Yeah, and now that I'm thinking about it, I did have a purple army because I was painting Slanesh demons and I was doing them like okay. a nice deep purple. And then I didn't like playing them, so I don't, I don't keep models for things that I'm like not gonna play with, yeah. except maybe my space wolves, but they're a labor of love. So I gave all those Slanesh models to my husband because he's like the child of chaos in our house. <laughs> And uh, so he took them, and then he's like, can you just keep painting them? I like the paint scheme, <laughs> so I will be painting purple, just slowly over time. It seems like quite a nice colour to paint. I've got the Keeper of Secrets. No, is that is that yep. the, the Slanesh one? Yeah, I've yep. got the Keeper of Secrets that I've been slowly painting up, and I quite enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. But I've never done anything like proper bright purple, so I'm looking yeah. forward. I think, I think purple. I do think Vallejo has, like, the best purple paints. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look at Because I've not bought, bought any purple, because I've been flicking back and forth, so I've not bought any of the purple paints yet. Yeah. Yeah. I highly recommend. The purples in the Citadel range are kind of, yeah. If they still make Nagaroth Knight, that one is pretty good. I don't use any of the contrasts, because I never bought into them, because I have... Like, I have quite the collection of paint, and I was like, I don't need, like, another type of paint. <laughs> so, but maybe there's some good purple ones in there. I'm not sure. They've got a, I think it's Luxion Purple, which is quite, like, a, a deep one. I get contrasts as, like, a really heavy wash. Hmm. So that tends to be how, how I use them, sort of air, airbrush the, the base coat, the uh, Zenithal, then the base, and then I tend to sort of go over the contrast and then go back over again, because they seem to be quite nice for that. I mean, they might, I've, I've never really tried to paint an army wing contrast on their own, but people My do. My husband is, is a very good painter, uh, and he's a speed painter. And so he starts usually with a base of contrast and then like highlights on top of it. Mm, and then yeah. it's fast and looks really good. So I don't know. There are still people who like talk down about contrast, but I I like it as a tool for people who, who really like it. I just never yeah. bought in. I think it's just another tool, and this is what I talked yeah. about when it sort of first came out with some of my friends. Is it's not going to replace anybody's paint, probably, uh, but it is a nice tool to have in the toolbox. It's mm-hmm. just a, somewhere in between a wash and a, an actual paint. It's yeah, I've used I've used it a couple times before, and then to me the colors that I used worked a lot like a Liquitex ink, like an acrylic mm, ink, yeah, and I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I can just keep using my acrylic inks. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you've got what you kind of got what you've already got, then yeah, just use that. I've heard mm-hmm. the army painter ones are supposed to be quite good. The the range that they've just brought out, whatever they're called. Yeah, because it's it's version two point Because they had some troubles with the first version, but I haven't really heard. I haven't heard anything. So I'd seen it. Yeah, I'd seen a few good things about it, but yeah, I've not. I've, not, I've never tried army painter paints, so I'm not sure. They have for me. They have the best pastel colors. Okay. So if you're if you're looking for pastels, you don't want to mix them yourself. Like maybe Army Painter would be a good place to stop and take a look. That's good to know because I am a lazy painter. I do not like to make my own colors. I will just search for the right one until I find it. I I mix almost everything. Yeah. You are definitely opposite scales then. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, like I'm you know, so like sometimes you just need like just a little bit lighter or just a little bit of a different shade so yeah i i mix a lot of colors yeah 
I'm going to flick back a little bit. You've you've got quite a, a recognizable face, and you've got quite a big following. When you go to events and things like that, do you do you get stopped that much? Do you find that you, a lot of people want to speak to you? So I actually don't think I have a very recognizable face because I didn't actually get stopped a lot when I went to Las Vegas okay. Open, which was actually really good for me because again, social anxiety. Yeah. If you do see me out and about, everybody, like for sure, come up and say hi. And um, the people who did say hi were very lovely. <laughs> and, you know, we had some really great conversations. But it was really nice for me to experience Las Vegas Open as just like an anonymous person, you know, yeah. because it was my first time. And yeah, I just wanted to like soak everything in. And, but yeah, I, I don't think I'm actually that well known uh, in the community. So, okay. Yeah, Scary's like one of my best friends, and like the Thursday we hung out quite a bit. Yeah. And watching him walk around, he's a very well-known kind of person in the community. Yeah. He's been in the competitive community for quite a while, so yeah, he yeah. knows a lot of people, and that's really fun to watch somebody else going through that. <laughs> but I'm just, I am perfectly happy being like like totally unrecognizable and just like every other nerd in the crowd I'm, I'm totally fine with that yeah that makes sense with, with the social like, say with the social anxiety getting stopped every two minutes people want to talking to you and, and things like that would probably get quite overwhelming it could i don't know because it didn't happen to me but it, it yeah it might be an issue but i don't ever want people to think that they can't come up and say yeah. hi like I, I really enjoy talking to people, and I really did enjoy the few interactions that I had at Las Vegas Open. So if people want to come say hi, then please do. I can't really say that I am a very well-known person in the community, though. I Not my experience. You've, you've, I mean, you, you've got a really, really, really good following. Yeah, I mean, you get invited to like, play on, and you, like, mini war game, things like that. You, I think you're pretty, pretty well-known. So I think you should be proud you've got a really good really good following and yeah i i am very proud of like the community that i've sort of cultivated over the years and i do think that i have some of the best followers out there and they're just some of like the really coolest nicest people that i've yeah. ever had the pleasure of speaking to and yeah i am very proud of of what i've built and more so proud that like new players and new people to the community feel like I've helped them. That that to me yeah. is more is like I'm more proud of that than having a big number. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, we'll draw a line under sort of Warhammer touched off Warhammer community. Let's talk about real life outside of Warhammer. Oh god, is there life outside of Warhammer? That's yeah, it's I always get to this bit and I'm like, I don't I, is this a thing? Do we want to talk about it? But if you got any sort of anything outside of uh, Warhammer, outside of sort of the content creation side of things, because obviously this this must take up quite a lot of your life alongside your your work and the YouTube and going on the channels, doing your podcast, that must take up a lot of your time. Do you have much outside that you do to sort of get away from it and chill out? Not really. <laughs> I don't really have that much anymore. So the reason why I don't do uh, roller derby anymore is because I have arthritis definitely in my knees, probably also in my ankles. So a lot of my extra time is spent managing mm. that. I'm trying to save my knees for as long as possible. So a lot of my sort of spare time is spent outside walking with my dog. I, you know, just doing overall health management things uh, I used to be a very, very active person, like skating outside. Like, I think I put 3,000 kilometers on my outdoor skates in one summer. Our summers wow. are short. So I used Did to you, be... Do you have a summer in Canada? Is that a thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually live in a desert, so it gets really hot here. Like, okay. <laughs> it gets, like it, it'll get 40 degrees or more for a few weeks out of the summer. So, so... Yeah, going from that to being very sedentary uh, is very difficult for me. So I do. I just try to get outside as much as I can and and do as much exercise as I can. That's within this very limited frame of yeah. what my surgeon has said that I am allowed to do. And yeah, and then outside of that, like I said, I I work for a company that makes models. So literally, miniature wargaming is my job. 
Nice. Which is yep. super cool to be able to yeah, say. Absolutely, yes. And it doesn't really occur to me that I could be doing other things. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I just I love I love wargaming so much. Yeah. I don't watch TV. I don't really watch movies that much. I don't I read, but I usually read black library novels. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think it just really occurred to me to do anything different. Yeah. I think it highlights some of the, the benefits again of this hobby is there are so many different parts of it that you can do it and not really have to do anything else because it's quite an inclusive hobby in terms of that. There's perhaps not much of a physical element to it, but yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I've got arthritis in my knee as well. So definitely, definitely none of that feels. Uh, yeah, tore my um tore my cartilage when I was 15 and had part of it removed. And yeah, it's... It's hard. It's a it's a hard thing to manage, and it's a hard thing. I got I got told I had early onset arthritis four years ago, and yeah, it, it, I used to play a lot of hockey, a lot of uh, soccer, a lot of football, mm. and that just stopped. It was yeah. a it was a strange strange experience. Yeah, yeah. To basically have a specialist tell you like you have to stop this thing that you love so much because yeah. you're gonna need surgery if you don't. And um, I, I don't know, like, maybe people don't know this, but, like, the with arthritis, the longer that you can get by without injections and surgery and all of that, the better. Because a lot of times when you start getting the injections and things, it actually deteriorates the joint more. Yeah. It makes it so you can actually function, but you have less time of functioning. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so for me, I I'm trying to avoid that. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time outside walking. I get to make my own hours at work, so I get to take lots of little breaks to go for walks, and that really, really does help. Yeah. Doesn't leave much time for much else, though. Do you need time for anything else? Though? That's that's the that's the thing. You do lots of walking. You, you've you've got your dog. You've got war, you've got war gaming. Like what, what else do you need in life? That's fine. It's true. It's this is what <laughs> is best in life. Conan got it wrong. <laughs> okay i've got one last question um and this is going to put you on the spot a little bit i think okay i'm ready okay if you could pick one person in the community it doesn't have to be like a, a famous community person or anything like that and they were the one person that you could play the game with for 40k or aos for the rest of time who would it be yeah that one's easy so that is my first mentor alex mcdougall Art of War coach extraordinaire. All of my favorite games have been played with Alex McDougal. I've only beaten him once. I uh, considered <laughs> retiring after that. <laughs> but he just makes the game so fun and also teaches me something every single time we play. So if I had to choose one person, I know people are shocked. I didn't pick my husband. We get salty with one another. <laughs> um, but yeah, it would be Alex McDougal for sure. 100%. Scorry will be gutted, I'm sure. Nah. <laughs> he understands. Sure I think we've is. only played once. Him oh, and really? I. Yeah. We had, we, had a, we had a coaching game. Yeah, we had one coaching game. Yep. Okay, so like when Scarry and I get together, because we're both content creators, and we're like, yeah, we can like party and do stuff. No, we sleep. We literally <laughs> like sit there and watch History Channel until we fall asleep. <laughs> okay that sounds yeah. like a great time as well i we're nerds so history channels okay history channels great yeah definitely he has a history degree does he i he does. did not know that we yeah. talked about stuff in the episode we talked a lot about history stuff when, when we were sort of about other things outside yeah there's a lot of a lot of history stuff. now it all this makes is, sense this is strange yeah i mean this is strange there's been a few people that i've spoken to on the podcast quipster was one of them he knows camo patterns most modern camo patterns stuff like that well i mean we're all nerds so i shouldn't be surprised but it was amazing how many liked defense history it was weird mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean i think we all sort of have our sort of like little areas that we know a little bit about i i'm like a person who bounces around to different like historical things that i find interesting but sometimes i'll just text scar it'll be like hey guess what i learned today <laughs> and then we'll just like share that kind of stuff with one another so well that's it that was my last question i have no more on my my long long list for anybody that's listening if you want to find tanya 
um, and she's easy to find, that's for sure. If you go on like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you've got your YouTube channel, um, you're on Fortune Narrative, you go on with Scary on Thursdays with its uh, just is it just put paint on it? Yeah, so, it's, so it's it's Fridays actually. Fridays, Fridays sorry, yeah, Fridays. at nine o'clock uh, Pacific or noon Eastern. Okay. Yeah, and then obviously you've you've like I say you've got your own YouTube. I I definitely recommend that anybody going and, and checking out because it's it's really good. I think while it's while it's targeted towards beginners or, or new people to the hobby, I think people who have been in the hobby for quite a while can learn a lot from it as well. I I did. Like I said, I've been start of eight so not a huge amount of time but mm. i played quite a lot of games and so even then i was kind of going on there and going oh yeah i never really thought about that if or i had I never to really recommend one of the rules videos for every 40k player to watch is the fights first fights last one because 95 yes. percent of people get it wrong so yeah. i have done the work with visuals for all of you so that you can get it right yeah, for a rule yeah. that they simplified, they've somehow made it the most complicated thing in the world. So, yes. Yeah. It's simplified, but still has an entire page of rules explaining yeah. how it works. Yeah. But it's simple. So, it's, it's easy, it's, right? It's very simple. It's easy when you've gone and watched Tanya's video. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been on Money Wargaming, Power Tabletop, the Skycast. You've been Sky quite a lot. Like you you on YouTube, you look for Warhammer, you'll find Tanya in, in some sort of form great videos no matter whose channel or what what social media you go on definitely worth checking tanya out was there anything other that, that you wanted to sort of shout out or anything like that really just check out all the other cool people that are out there like stop by and give everybody a listen because you never know who is going to be that person that sort of like speaks to you right yeah. there's a lot of content out there and so many great voices so i would just say just give everybody a try just once yeah hopefully my podcast will help with that because hopefully it's bringing some some other people out and i try to be positive see everyone that i get on is awesome but i try and tell them that you're awesome because you are you absolutely are well you're awesome too thank you i really appreciate that yeah i, I really appreciate the sort of time you've taken out of your day to to come on the podcast and I'm honored to be asked to be on the podcast. It's very, very flattering. I'm glad to hear it, and I've I've had a I've had a really good chat with you. Yeah, I I love I love doing this podcast, and there's people like you, and there's sort of other people that have done it that that make it yeah great fun and give me a great excuse to keep doing it. Oh, awesome! And I do hope that you keep with it because I I think content creation is something that is it's really valuable to me. I've made a lot of friends through it, and you know you're bound to touch at least one person and make them stick with the hobby when they're considering dropping it. So I hope that you do stick with it. Thank you. I, I, I hope that I do have that effect. Okay. Well, I hope everyone else enjoyed today's show just as much as I did. And yeah, thank you so much for, for sort of joining the podcast again and, and taking the time to listen. If you did enjoy it, please just subscribe wherever you found it. Leave a review. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, you absolutely can. There's the email at firstrankfirepodcast at gmail.com or you can get me on over at Instagram, which is probably the easiest place. That's firstrankfirepodcast. Again, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.